Hello and welcome to The Film Angle. I'm Alex. And I'm Chris. And today we're going to do a little bit more movie news. Just because uh, there's been a few developments in the movie world. And recently we had San Diego Comic Con, which allowed me to kind of nerd out. And uh, also... Oh, this is like your wet dream, Alex, isn't it? Well, I think it once was... Uh, I used to stay up late and literally just kind of like find any kind of illegal live stream I could of the uh, of the panels when they were taking place, or I'd just be following Twitter for updates to find out, uh, you know, what's Marvel gonna do next? What, what's Marvel gonna do next? But as we've kind of figured out from the last couple of episodes, we're in a little bit of a Marvel down spiral at the moment in terms of our kind of motivation for the franchise so it was a little bit different this year but i thought it'd be interesting to talk about a few things um but also your sister got married chris and she went ahead and you you kind of haven't <laughs> you've had a bit you've had a busy life so you sound surprised uh, well we did talk last week about uh the potential of it not happening but uh yeah obviously no, you no. haven't had as much time this weekend to to catch up on movies no, no, recovering from a pretty, pretty severe hangover, followed by a flight, then starting work again on Monday. So yeah, it's been pretty hard to find any time to squeeze in any movies where I can. But, you know, it won't take long to get back on the saddle, I'm sure. But no, yeah, no. I did manage to catch up on The Grey Man, though. And, and we've got some interesting stuff to say about that. Yeah, so uh, that does lead me into like the first piece of news. Uh, the Grey Man dropped on Netflix the other week. And uh, there was a lot riding on this film for Netflix because uh, Netflix are in a little bit of a uh, spot of bother, I would say. I don't know if it's trouble or anything like yet uh, that yet, but they are losing, they are losing subscriptions and yeah. each kind of financial quarter. I don't know all the ins and outs, but basically their stock is starting to drop and they've had to kind of reassess uh-huh. how they're doing things. They've been laying off a lot of people and they've been looking at the programs they're making and films they're releasing and going, what do we keep? What do we not? Um, they famously, I would say famously, it was very recently said that we can't, they said we can't do vanity projects like the Irishman anymore, which I thought was hilarious considering that the gray man dropped this week and is their most expensive film, $200 million uh, budget. Wow. And it's, Is that like going back on themselves? I think originally like with the Irishman, like that's a prestige picture. And I think they were trying to go into the prestige like Oscar-nominated category. And now are they now trying to break into that sort of Marvel Disney market now? We're like, right, we're going to make big, dumb $200 million dollar movies and try to get a one billion dollar like you know return on them i don't i don't know how the economy of that works but um sure i think they're trying to replicate that and they're struggling to find that middle ground yeah i guess it's like they're trying to find a broader audience here we've got a you know pretty actiony thriller with a bit of james bondy born supremacy-ness to it um but i just think it's a frankenstein I just think it's funny that they had the audacity to call the Irishman a vanity project when they spent two hundred million pounds on the Grey Man, which maybe is like a review in itself that I'm that surprised. But at the end of the day, I I did enjoy the Grey Man, but I don't think it was amazing, and it definitely did not look like a two hundred million dollar film. Oh, hell no! Like yeah, those, just... those action scenes are pretty choppy. Yeah, definitely, and. 
especially at the start uh, when they when they're kind of running around Bangkok doing things, fighting things and in fireworks, and it all looks very janky and 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 not great. Um, clearly, very smoky, have, very smoky. A lot of smoke in the film. Um, it, I, for me, it was very much like a an amazing cast with uh, Ryan Gosling, Chris Evans, Anna de Armas, uh, Jessica Hemwick. Like brilliant, brilliant yeah. people. Are you a guy from Bridgerton? Yeah, yeah. I was just gonna say you had Anna Darmus um playing the older version of Dora the Explorer here. Oh, is that how you saw her? <laughs> I thought she was just playing <laughs> like, like... A, ver- a very similar version to her character in the latest Bond film, just like yet another spy. <laughs> oh, I just felt it's good now. Like we've got Dora the Explorer in all sort of stage major stages of her life. We've had her at a, as a kid and as an adolescent and uh, as a full grown adult now. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like it was it was a relatively decent action film. I don't think it was anything special. Um, but they have now said that it's getting a sequel and a spin off. And uh, do you think it's worth it? Absolutely bizarre, in my opinion. And I know this movie is kind of critically, it's mixed at best um, in terms of how it was received. Um, It would make sense if that was the case and the audience still loved it. But it seems like the audience, the major audience that have been watching this movie on Netflix, feel exactly the same way. So Mm. it's pretty bizarre that we're getting something about some. A, a big major franchise starter in a in a film that nobody's really that excited about. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But I think it, it depends who watches it because at the end of the day, it's not it always won't... about who uh, you know who's the critical nature of it. Do you know what the biggest film that Netflix have released their own original film that racked up the most amount of views in twenty eight days? I can't. I can't think. It's Red Notice. Ryan Reynolds, Dwayne Johnson, and um, Gal Gadot. That you know, it makes sense. I know there's a reason why, and um, I and it's, it's to do with the packaging. It's how digestible these movies are. You see a title like The Gray Man or Red Notice. You see the actors who you know they're for action movies, etc. And it's easy to click it on it. Your dad, or your mum, or anybody can click on it. Uh, on a Friday night and switch off. And I think that's it. And they won't care how bad it is. They would have watched it anyway. I think that's what you're getting at, right? Yeah, I mean, it's Ryan Reynolds, The Rock, and Wonder Woman. And I think that was enough to sell it. Uh, That being said, I found the trailer utterly tiring and boring. And I have not seen The Red Notice. And I kind of refuse to at this point. I don't know if I would have wasted my time on it. (laughs) I have a a moral standing on The Red Notice. (laughs) It's supposed to be so bad, but again, they're dropping a bunch of money on making a sequel and stuff like that. Uh, It got 364 million views in uh, the first 28 days. I'm not really sure how that racks up to uh, money in box office, say there were that many. I mean, it would never have gotten that many views, I'm sure, had it not been available. The business model for tracking... The business model for tracking the success of these things does not exist. I mean, we think about last year's big hit Squid Game, which is obviously is a TV show. But, you know, there, why that particular show and why does that just the word of mouth thing and the trends online? There's no it's so hard nowadays to kind of get a grasp on what the market's after. And yeah. I think Netflix itself is struggling to understand that it's as well. 
Well, they they don't advertise half their films. Like we spoke about it previously with Apollo Ten and a Half. Like you've got Richard Linklater doing a Netflix original film, and uh, with minimal but marketing. I, and then could you find it now on your Netflix? Like they don't. Yeah, but don't I I think ninety percent, ninety to ninety five percent of people who are logging on to Netflix don't care about the new Richard Linklater film or even know who that name is. And um, they know that people like us will 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 look out for it anyway. So I think they just don't want to spend, they're, they're pretty tight and they don't want to spend the resources on something that's not going to really do them well. Uh, and at the, end of the, at the end of the day, they are money-oriented company. Yeah, yeah. They're an interesting company, Netflix, and obviously they're a little bit worried at the moment with... Uh, the way things are going, but I think it was inevitable that they would have a spike during the pandemic. Obviously, they couldn't account for the pandemic at all, but uh, there would be a spike in a situation like that where everybody's at home, and then obviously when everybody goes back to work um, and kind of life yeah. returns to some form of normality, um, yeah, you're not going to need it as much in inflation and rising costs of everything. Some things have got to go, and I must say, I've, Netflix is one of the least used streaming services i've used this year i would say yeah yeah i don't know there's some things like it knows it has you over a barrel over some of its um its big hitters like stranger things etc but yeah it's gonna really try to ride those big products for as long as it can because that's the only i think the only big reason why people are subscribed Um, and obviously the platform is also getting a lot more expensive uh, on a pretty rapid rate so i think that affordability is a big thing for people yeah 100 percent. and uh, I, I know disney plus are a lot lot cheaper at the moment than netflix so and they're doing pretty well with their mm. kind of blockbuster releases coming out pretty fast and uh uh you know upscaling with tv shows and stuff so yeah absolutely but you know all those things have a time limit on it too and i'm sure disney eventually will follow suit also it's just the natural order of these things yeah 100 percent, 100 percent all right, we'll move on from The Grey Man and Netflix. Uh, and if you'll allow me to be a bit of a, a Marvel nerd for a minute, Chris. Okay, I'll just put on my sleep timer. Uh, you just wait, put, press my alarm button whenever uh, you're done, okay? Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm really interested. We're not going to get too nerdy here, but we're definitely going to ha- delve into this a little bit because there's a lot of, as you said, exciting news that's came out of Comic-Con. Yeah, and I want to kind of mix it up a bit as well with some other maybe like less exciting stuff. But just indulge me for a minute as I as I chat Marvel. Just very quickly. Consider yourself indulged. Just very quickly. The Black Panther Wakanda Forever trailer dropped. We're in a bit of a Marvel drought at the moment. There's a lot riding on that film to kind of bring maybe just you and me back into the Marvel Universe. But also respecting <laughs> yeah. the passing. <laughs> respected the passing of Chadwick Boseman. And kind of figuring of out course. what you do with that character and the characters within the film and kind of move that forward. I would not want to be yeah. Ryan Coogler, the director, right now because that is quite a daunting job. However, that pa- uh, that that trailer is, uh, is a pretty remarkable tease for what looks to be a rather astonishing film from Marvel. Uh, could it bring us out of that little drought that we're in at the moment? Yeah, that's a good point. No, I think if anybody was going to steer it in the right direction, I think Ryan Coogler is a safe bet. We've seen him deal, obviously, with the first Black Panther movie and sort of just the 
the sort of class and the prestige nature that he brought to the film, obviously Black Panther being the only Best Picture nominee to ever come out of the uh, Marvel MCU universe. So um, I, I think it looks pretty cool. I think the vibe of the trailer it seems to be very in respect to the um, to the recent passing of Chadwick Boseman and uh, has a lot of similarities to... Like it kind of gave me like an Avatar James Cameron vibe in terms of how like it's it's scope. There seems to mm. be like a lot more creatively going on than I even expected there to be. Yeah, was that just because you saw blue people? I saw a lot of water, <laughs> a lot of water. So a lot of water. You saw blue people, and you're like, is this a James Cameron film? <laughs> but no, okay, I get what I... you mean. It looks it looks really visually interesting as well, and there's a lot of. And I think there's a lot of visuals that look like they could just be ripped out of a James Cameron film as well. I am only teasing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're 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 pinning me over as like some simple person here. No, no. <laughs> Have you seen that tweet? Uh, the kind of viral tweet that was like, only ever seen one film and it's Boss Baby. Watch his second film. This is a lot like Boss Baby. <laughs> Um. Yeah, I, it still baffles me that the Boss Baby is like a be- is like a best animated uh, feature film nominee, <laughs> like a m- potential winner. It's it's crazy, but whatever. Yeah, no, I uh, we're not I here to talk about the Boss Baby. <laughs> yeah, no, I've not seen the Boss Baby, so I I couldn't tell you if it's deserved of uh, that or not. Uh, maybe maybe <laughs> one day in the future, I'll let you know. Um, but the other thing I was going to say on the topic of Black Panther, I'm not sure we've discussed it here before, but obviously Marvel have decided not to recast <clears throat> T'Challa, the original Black Panther, and decided to kind of oh move on uh, within the universe as well. Is that a good idea? Is that a bad idea? And I guess the thing I'm thinking of is, you know, touch wood, this doesn't happen, but Robert Pattinson dies tomorrow. They're recasting <laughs> Batman straight away, right? E- I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure. What? Did, oh, how much on. money did Batman make? Was it such a big hit that there's no option but to do that? Yeah, no, they would recast him straight away. Come on. Come on. <sighs> okay. Well, I, I, yeah, I think out of respect for Chadwick Boseman, they would definitely not do it for this movie. Also, because I think Chadwick Boseman is just so irreplaceable in that role because he really brings the regality um, to that performance. And also, like, it, he's just a frame that you can't replace. I think they've got so many different directions that you can go with Marvel that it would just be irresponsible and just sort of irrelevant just to recast something like that. We've been obviously teased that um, it'd be, the role will be passing over to um, T'Challa's younger sister. Um, for you, whose character... Potentially. Yeah, poten- potentially. Um, so... I mean, that would be much more interesting narratively. And yeah, it would just cheapen and it would be a disrespect to Bozeman if we if we went the former direction, I think. Yeah, I was mainly playing devil's advocate there. I, I do agree that moving forward like this is oh, I know you were. The, the best way, most respectful way to kind of break it down. Uh, like as a comic book fan, it is a shame we won't see T'Challa. Um, but you're There's right, there was, there, was a, there was a gravitas to the role. Um, that Chadwick Boseman brang, brought to it and I think the kind of cultural impact that Black Panther had at the time on its release um, was was huge and for me it, it, I was probably going through a similar phase with Marvel that I was now where I was getting a bit tired of it and Black Panther brought me straight back in so I'm really hoping that 
come November, um, Wakanda Forever will do do the same. But um, yeah, I think I never knew that. I never knew like multiple times that like, you were on the cusp of giving up on Marvel. I've always knew you to be so excited for the material, and I thought it was just a recent uh, event. So this has happened before. Then you, you, you in and out of love. It's like a yeah. it's like a love affair. I think in and out of excitement. I don't like you know me. I'm never gonna give up on the Marvel Universe. I will watch these films. Oh yeah. Um, but it's just like the how excited are you for the next release? Um, yeah. yeah. And I think it's a good thing. I think that Black Panther, Wakanda Forever is the next release because if it was Ant Man, Quantum Mania, I would probably be <laughs> a little bit more sour, even more so. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, I think this because this feels like the the first time in a while that a Marvel movie feels like it probably has some, uh, gra- like you said, gravitas and has a bit of uh, meat on the bone. I mean, lately it's been a little bit jokey in terms of the tone, especially with the recent Thor: Love and Thunder, where we recently talked about. Um, so it'd be good to see a movie, a Marvel movie that sort of takes itself seriously and probably has stakes and might lead into something a little bit bigger than just its insular self. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just dealing with uh, the death of T'Challa in itself, probably within the opening mm-hmm. minutes, I imagine, uh, is probably going to be a bit Yeah, it'd be a... very interesting to see how it deals with that. Yeah, Yeah, because at the end of the day... It's going to be a bit of an emotional roller coaster, but it's also a film for kids. You can't just make it uber sad. So it's going to, <laughs> it's going to be interesting. I think we how they always forget. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Would you say they... Multiverse of Madness was a movie for kids? That is a movie where a big demon monster gets his eye plucked out and a bunch of little demons turn into a mad wizard's cape. <laughs> I mean, if I was a kid, don't you think that sounds awesome? Yeah, I would have been. First in line for that, actually. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> different, you know, different kind of kid. Uh, but I think that sounds pretty cool. Cool kids um, and lame kids. We can't talk about Marvel, I think, without addressing some of the recent reports coming out. Um, and whether this is a Marvel issue only, I don't know. I would say probably not. But it's very much been targeted towards Marvel, where a lot of uh, VFX artists are coming out and talking about their experience working for Marvel, um, not just one, but multiple now saying they would never work for Marvel again. Um, that some of them had been blacklisted by Marvel, but their working hours are just ridiculous. They ask for a lot in a small amount of time, changing third acts weeks before a film's release, and basically being underpaid huh. and overworked. Um and it sounds like a pretty hellish time. And obviously Marvel now are just pumping out content. Um, That's the problem, isn't it? So, but we, I think it's also worth saying as well, like we're both big video game fans and you hear this a lot in the video game industry mm. as well. Crunch time. Yeah, 100%. People being worked to the bone, bad working conditions. Um, and, and a lot of games these days just get released and then patched up afterwards they're not completed things because i guess you know gotta gotta make the money for the shareholders and and stuff like that like a lot of promises uh without much thought to the people who have to work on delivering those things yeah and of course because these like 
these corporations are so big and i imagine like at times people get lost in the big machine of things where they're not their mental health probably isn't looked after and like there's probably just one guy like tr- stressing out going home to his wife every night <laughs> his wife for his every night just um worrying about how to animate dr strange's cape <laughs> it's probably you know we're, we're, we're at that level and there is a lot of parallels to the video game industry 100 percent last couple of years especially the not to name any names, the big uh, AAA corporations have uh, had to really contend with uh, worker strikes and and issues on this sort of nature. So um, yeah, 100%, we need to kind of think about people like that a lot more because, uh, you know, they're, they're trapped in, into doing work that is probably, um, yeah, definitely over the top. Yeah, and I also feel like I would happily wait for a more finished and polished product. Like we at the end, of the, yeah, yeah, and I, I think that with video games, I almost wish they just didn't announce release dates so far in advance. I, I was, I was, I almost hope that one day they're just like, oh, by the way, the new GTA game comes out tomorrow, baby, and they just drop it. <laughs> yeah, it, but it's it's greed, though, isn't it? I mean, they 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 rest so much on pre-order sales nowadays, and the only way you can really vote for these things to change you vote with your money at the at the end of the day if you continue to buy these pre-orders or you know you continue to, to subscribe to that model then they're only going to continue to do it it's only whenever you don't and refuse to that they will actually change the scope of things so we are partly to blame as well yeah i get that i get but that movies but, but also <laughs> the people who worked on it should get paid so, I mean, obviously, that not that they wouldn't get paid if we don't go, but, you you know, you support films to keep people in work. It's it's a weird circle. I, I'm not sure how much to blame you can put on us when, at the end of the day, the big corporations like Disney uh, and others are kind of the ones where the culture needs to change. Especially when we're on a trend now, when, we, when before we were getting about six hours of Marvel content uh, per year, and now, you know, we're sitting on like 40. So obviously, like we're we're just going from first gear to flipping eleventh. So it, it, the the changes are obviously going to sh- are going to ripple throughout. Um, yeah, I just hope, just guys, you don't we don't need so many TV shows. We don't need so many movies. Just you're allowed to take it easy a little bit now, and maybe people will want your your product a little bit better too. I mean. It exhausts me now to think that I have to watch like six different TV shows and four subsequent movies to kind of even just understand the new movie I'm going to go see. I mean, I I, I can't imagine the people that get dragged by their their, uh, nerdy partners or their family to go see these movies and they're just probably absolutely lost. I feel for those people. Are you talking about my partner and my family? (laughs) (laughs) I'm talking, well, yeah, if it's it's prevalent with you, Alex, it's going to be prevalent with everybody. Um, I had to like, take Lauren for a crash course of uh, Marvel last year. And originally she was quite resistant and uh, we got through them all and it took a while. It took a while. And now, you know, it, it, to understand and to get to the current point where you can follow these movies in a, in a proper thread line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. And I think like visual effects, heavy TV shows as well, which they are producing their film, they're producing very film like quality shows um maybe maybe just tone it down and be like oh yeah we are a tv show at the end of the day um it doesn't have yeah. to be so big and so grand and, and hopefully that'll be the case 
Um, but obviously, this this obviously leads into the fact that come twenty twenty five, we're getting two Avengers films in the same year. Chris, Avengers: The Kang Dynasty, which is um, being directed by the Shang. Great title. Yeah, um, very interesting title, um, and that's being directed by the Shang Chi director, um, Destin Daniel Cretton. And then Avengers Secret Wars, which is what a lot of us nerds assumed we were leading up to with all the multiverse stuff. Um, That hasn't got a director yet. Um, But one's coming out in like July, Mm. and then the other's coming out in December. Something like that. Something crazy. Two like massive endgame probably level events uh, in one year. Who's DP DP on that first one? Have we got Bill Pope back again from Shang-Chi? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. All they've announced at the moment is the director, I think. I don't think they've announced anything else. Um, but obviously, you'll have the first one dealing with Kang the Conqueror, who who showed up, or a version of Kang showed up in the Loki TV show. So you aren't going to have to watch all these things, Chris. Uh, and then uh, he's Kang the Hooray! Conqueror going to show up in Ant-Man. So it's, that's going to lead into the Kang Dynasty. Uh, and then Secret Wars is in the comics just a big massive battle world where all the heroes fight each other and then another villain and stuff like that. So I'm sure it'll be an element of that and an element of something different. But um, so yeah, I'm wondering how much more the thing I am worried about. And sorry to go off topic, how much more of this multiverse stuff have we got ahead of us? Obviously, you being my insider on all this stuff, and um, because. That is the. I feel like that is the cusp of their problem here, where we're getting more and more complicated. Definitely, definitely. Um, And sometimes in the comics, uh, they use big events, and they did use a uh, a few uh, another version. There's been a few Secret Wars within the Marvel comics, but their most recent Secret Wars was a big kind of uh, timeline changing event to kind of streamline everything into into one thing. So uh, whether whether this does some resetting to status quo, I don't know. But then you are very much becoming um, as convoluted as the comic books are, and the comic books are not as exactly. accessible as they once were. You take away your ex- your your sort of thread line, and you also take away the dramatic heft of things that happened before if you rewrite them, and as if they never happened. Yeah, you know, it, it renders previous films useless. Yeah, I mean, who who knows if that is the case? But obviously, there's a possibility that that might be the case. Um, but yeah, I'm not. I, I think there will be more multiverse stuff. Whether you get it in the solo film so much, I hope not, and just leave it for the big kind of Avengers cap off at the end of this fifth and sixth phase. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's two massive, massive epic films in. Um, in at the in one year, how how do you feel about that? Can do you reckon they could pull it off, or do you reckon that is truly going to be the end of like everybody's uh, good faith in Marvel? Well, they might be they might be massive, but they might not be epic. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't. I like I said, it all really really rides on Black Panther at the end of this year as to whether we're really still on board. Whether it's critically well received and whether audiences really like it, um, otherwise, I feel like the goodwill is probably on the downturn. 
I think yeah. we saw it with Doctor Strange um, even more so than Thor, surprisingly, even though I think um, Doctor Strange is a much better movie than Thor. Um, so I don't know. I, I think the pandemic is a lot to blame. I think it's kind of there's almost like a chain, like a gap in the chain um, since pre-pandemic and post-pandemic that sort of affected this. So maybe it's either we need to get back into the rhythm of the, what these movies are doing or that we're at a point now where Marvel doesn't know what it's doing and it's kind of it's kind of jumbling things up. Um, yeah, so we'll see. I think it's just a, how, how these next two movies go is a really big tell, especially box office-wise. Yeah, yeah. I guess the box office numbers haven't faltered too much. I know, I know. Thor: Love and Thunder had a bit of a big drop on its second week, but they're still making they're still making yeah. bank at the end of the day. I think a lot of that is word of mouth. Uh, to be honest, I think a lot of people have been telling their friends that it's not maybe as great as the ever Thor movies, and then people are just being, "Oh, I'll wait till Disney Plus." Yeah, and they don't take long to jump on Disney Plus either. There, like even Lightyear comes out next week on disney plus uh but anyway one last film uh kind of taking us back to netflix here but a trailer dropped recently for the anna de armas marilyn monroe film called blonde oh yes yeah blonde which is directed by andrew dominic and it's already apparently causing a lot of controversy within Netflix whilst it was being made. It's going to be a, an NC-17 rated film, which is quite... I think it's quite big for a blockbuster film to be rated so... Um, is that the adult. is that the reason why there was so many internal arguments in Netflix? Is that because... Is it over the Yeah, apparently Netflix content? think he... Yeah, apparently Netflix think he's pushed it too far. Uh, or at least that that was the rumor coming out, I don't know, maybe six months ago. But it's about to make its debut in the Venice mm-hmm. Film Festival. We had a trailer come out and um, recently for it. And I think it looks really, really good, but it does raise an interesting Oh, it looks question. visually stunning. It looks, yeah, it looks very much along the same lines of like Spencer and um, Jackie in that kind of, uh, you know, we're taking some... We're taking some liberties with the artistic nature of this film. It's a biopic, but not really a biopic. And the film is actually Mm. based on a novel, which is a fictional retelling of Marilyn Monroe's life, but in a but with a lot of elements of truth in there. So it's it's blurring the line, but less obsessed with the deep. Yeah, less obsessed with the details and more trying to get into the headspace of the human being. very similar to spencer last year yeah but it does like kind of ask the question obviously marilyn monroe is iconic and um she's been you know heralded as this like she's more of an icon now than she was a human and in her kind of short life it is a you know she's been heralded as this as this thing as, as as more of an object than than a person and is Marilyn Monroe? Is she has she been done to death now? And is this film, is this film not helping? Because there's a line in the film that says, "I've, I've Marilyn Monroe. I've always been watched or viewed. I can't remember the exact words, but I've never, but you know, I've never been seen." And you just think, like, well, here's another film kind of glorifying mm. her status once more. Should we just let her rest in peace? Um, well, is that is that how you feel? 
I don't know. I because I really like the look of the film, and I, I'm really excited to see it. And I think she's an interesting person. But at the end of the day, there is an element of like put her to rest, man, because she's made more of an impact. I think post death because of the way we have used her as a society and, and as this cultural iconography. icon than you know than she was when she was alive. Even though obviously you know a very brilliant actress and kind of. Makes you feel a bit interesting charisma. I think, yeah, I think people are always going to want a definitive Marilyn Monroe slash Norma Jean movie just because of what we know about her today. Obviously, the tragedy of her death and how how sort of sudden that was. Married with her fame, her on screen presence, how how at odds it was with her real life personality. She was a really well read, um, individual very intelligent very sharp and um, he kind of had to adopt a persona so that kind of creates the perfect like turning to star movie and how someone is corrupted by by hollywood and, and by the flashing lights so it makes a very interesting narrative also we've never really seen a movie that really focuses on the headspace of her as a person usually i mean i'm talking about them my week of marilyn is a quite an interesting film but it's always it's from the gaze of somebody else it's the perspective yeah. of somebody else looking at this person. And that's usually how we get to view Marilyn. We're usually very like outsiders looking in. So I'm very interested in looking because I, I think Andrew Dominic is a very good filmmaker of getting into people's head spaces. We go back to his debut film, like Chopper, which I'm a really big fan of the assassination of Jesse James. And even more recently he's had success with um, this much. I know to be true, the uh, Nick Cave documentary. So I think if anyone's going to really successfully tackle um an intimate portrayal of somebody in a nightmarish landscape i think uh andrew dominic's the guy to do it so i i've got uh, pretty high hopes for it nice nice um so yeah excited for blonde um obviously it's like what is it sitting at like a two hours 43 minute runtime at the minute so and all the heart you know obviously it's going to be like i said a set an n17 rated movie so hopefully it's not too stylish and no substance and we're, we're getting too much of the icky stuff i would really much rather see a beautiful por- portrayal of who norma jean was behind that mask so um yeah keep our eyes peeled for blonde it's going to be a very interesting movie anyway yeah definitely definitely it's uh it's gonna be an experience i imagine i mean yeah even andrew dominic says uh if the audience doesn't like it that's the audience's problem uh, which I think he said. Oh, that's slight, dangerous. When, slight, yeah, slightly less kindly than I just put it, but <laughs> that is, yeah, ego like that can be really dangerous. And usually, when like directors and filmmakers are really blowing up their own smoke, usually those are the projects that are a little bit. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Interesting. Very. We'll interesting. see. We'll see. I, I can't make any opinion yet. Very interesting to see. The uh, the Venice Film Festival is shaping up to be an interesting one, as usual. And as we get oh, to the end of the year, jam-packed. always a bunch of more interesting, um, less blockbustery style films coming out. And uh, yeah, I always enjoy the kind of run-up to Christmas whilst we get these films that kind of compete a little bit for the Oscars, uh, or at least some kind of awards recognition. But usually, they are pretty good. 
Yeah, the thing that's so depressing about that part of the year, though, is like the fact that obviously being in the UK and obviously we're not we're not uh, big film critics, so we don't get screeners. And America get movies like these get these prestige movies like two or three months before us. I mean, that's the only sting in the tail about the Christmas period running up to Oscar season is uh, we're a little bit late to the game. But we've got loads of stuff on this back burner for this year. So I'm really, really excited. So, uh, yeah, I think the best is yet to come. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. And uh, I second your thoughts on all the UK releases. Always end up coming oh, in sucks. like January the 1st. And you're like, oh, man. I know. And sometimes it's like movies that were made over here. And like they still show them over in America first. It, it boggles my mind. We, we want to see your movies. Just play them here. I guess that's the good thing about maybe a Netflix model and stuff like that. Is that, you know, Blonde will drop on Netflix. It will probably have a very limited... Uh, cinema release to qualify it for certain awards and then it'll drop on Netflix on the same day as pretty much every other country and we can all yeah kind of watch it and experience it that way do you know why Blonde will drop why because Marilyn was a bombshell yeah uh, cut 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 that bit please (laughs) I'm going to do a loop of 45 minutes of only that joke. Oh, dear. Uh, <laughs> it's the end of the film angle. Right, so <laughs> I can see... Oh, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, I can see um, the film angle's own personal broom sweep boy coming in and uh, sweeping that joke away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, Chris, that is about it for news. I'm sure there's a bunch more out there that I haven't mentioned, but these were the things that were most interesting to me and I thought would create interesting discussions. I just wanted to hear your opinions on. Um, sorry for nerding out a little bit in the middle there. That's okay. And sorry for potentially bad takes and bad opinions. Uh, mainly just bad jokes on your end. So that's what you need to apologize for. <laughs> All right. I was going to kick the joke out. That means I have to keep the joke in for for coherence. Thanks, Alex. Ah, brilliant. That's uh, my <laughs> sneaky way of making sure everybody realizes it was you who made the bed. That I'm a fraud. <laughs> no, no, not a fraud. Not a fraud. Anyway, we get delirious as these things come to a close. So let's bring it to a close. Could be the whiskey. Oh. Uh, <laughs> uh, so that's it for this episode of The Film Angle. I'm Alex. And I'm Chris. Go like and subscribe, share the podcast, enjoy everywhere else, and tell your friends goodbye. Goodbye. Maybe watch The Grey Man. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs>